Hello and welcome to episode 13 of This Won't Teach You Anything. On today's episode, I have a guest who was previously on the show, uh, my co-host for this episode, Sean Kennedy. Hey, how you doing? Good, good, good. Sean was last on uh, when we discussed the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. and, and the, the books versus the movies, uh, so on and so forth. I think one thing that uh, that's happened since then... Uh, I've had COVID. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Oh yeah, and uh, and and you've had it as well. Yeah, I got so. it. Uh, I got it pretty bad. Uh, pretty much lost the entire month of August and most of September. Spent God. the entire month of August in a bed. Man, yeah, I didn't get hit quite that hard, but it was it was not something I care to go ahead and deal with again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know I didn't have it nearly like you did, but it was was definitely something that. Uh, there was more than a flu. Yeah, it's something to be avoided for yeah. sure. I don't yeah. want to have anything to do with it again. Yep, and not preaching to anybody, but uh, I can speak for myself when I say that as soon as the uh, vaccine is made available for me, I will be getting it. Oh yeah. So. Oh, I'll be totally honest. I mean, I I, I like uh, the social distancing thing that's going on. Anyway, I don't, I don't want some guy standing nine inches behind me at the grocery store. Yeah. I'm, turn around. You need to back up, pal. Yeah. No kidding. It's, I mean, just great. in general. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's uh, there are some uh, there are some benefits to the social dis- distancing. Uh, I don't think either of us are are necessarily uh, fond of a lot of people in general. <laughs> I have a I have a set list. Right. I just uh, it's just not that uh, not that I dislike people. It's that uh, I only like certain people. <laughs> and even them. Yeah, well, they can push the wrong button. <laughs> As can I. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah, you know, no, I've, sure. I've done the wrong thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, we made it through COVID. I'm sure with some of the stuff that uh, at our age and, and things we did in our youth, there was probably questions as to whether this was a, this was a plug being pulled, but uh, we did make it through. Oh, there was a thought. <laughs> So, uh, COVID currently waiting, uh, on vaccines. Um, what else has been going on? Not a whole lot. Um, yeah, I've been having, uh, uh, actually been, uh, studying, trying to pick back some stuff up that I had lost before and, uh, haven't been able to see any movies or anything like that. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I noticed that they, uh, they're going to start just streaming things on HBO. And yeah. Stuff Warner like brothers entire slate for the yeah. year. Yeah. I've heard a couple of people talking about it and thinking about, you know, is this the end of the movie theater? And I think I, that's, uh, that's a ridiculous idea. I, I, I do too. I mean, so long as the, <clears throat> whether it's the current crop of movie theaters, uh, whether they survive or not, somebody will get back into it. Yeah. You know, whether a- if AMC goes belly up, a lot of buildings around that uh, are Movie theaters that mm. I'm sure people will go ahead and jump back in. Mm-hmm. People I think are, are so starved um, for you know getting out of the house mm-hmm. and just and just forgetting things. And I know I don't know um, about you. I mean I, I've watched movies before just specifically to forget about whatever is going on oh, yeah. in my life. I mean there's escapism. Oh, right, I'm, exactly. I'm a big fan. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean obviously. There's certain movies out there I've mentioned before. I mean, Schindler's List isn't a movie I'm going to just say, you know what, I want to get away mm-hmm. for for two or three hours. But, you know, I mean, the Marvel movies are like that. Yeah. Even even a bad Marvel movie is a, a, a fun getaway. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of movies out there that are good, but I I don't want to I don't want to see them again just oh, yeah, because absolutely. they're just brutal. I mean, you know, you're talking about Schindler's List or Million Dollar Baby was a, oh my was God. a fantastic movie, but it was just 
Pretty one cool. and done. Yeah. And uh, one that one that really bothered me a lot was seven. I know you yeah. and I and Josh have had this discussion because mm-hmm. you know you guys are, are happy to watch it. I I've seen it twice. I don't want to see it again. It was a good movie, but I don't want to see it again. I think I think I've seen it four times and then parts here and there if I've, I'm flipping channels. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think uh, you know for me that's one of Morgan Freeman's best performances. I haven't seen him do anything bad yet. Yeah, no, that that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Uh, the other night I was uh, watching uh, flipping through channels and um, oh. Um, what was, oh God, Andy Dufresne. Oh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, was on, you know, and that's <laughs> the, the subject of- uh, That's his best lines. Yeah, oh my God. Um, it was the longest night <laughs> of Andy Dufresne's <laughs> Sometimes he fought him off. <laughs> Sometimes he didn't. Prison is no fairy tale world. <laughs> that, that brings me to, you know, I mean, th- this episode is basically just, you know, I thought we'd, we'd go ahead and just- um, uh, talk about things like that. You know, what, what are movies that, and they don't necessarily have to be a favorite as much as, you know, and, and more often than not, they're going to be, but movies you're going to go ahead and, and watch, mm-hmm. you know, when you see them uh, on, you're going to stop, you know, if you're flipping channels, you know, I mean, one thing I hate is watching movies on, you know, just regular TV mm-hmm. uh, on the whole, but there's movies I'm still going to stop and watch. I think number one, on my list and it, probably because it's on all the time. The Godfather. <laughs> the top one of my list. The first I mean, one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you can just stop, start in there. There's, they're transcendent with how good they are. Mm-hmm. Now that, that movie in particular, the first one, that is, uh, that is literally my go-to. Like if I've got housework or something I need to be doing around the house, I'll put that in as background noise for me. Sure. You know, and that's, uh, I remember watching that, uh, you know, my parents are good parents, but my dad let me watch that when I was little. <laughs> and I remember watching that when I was a kid and seeing, uh, you know, Sonny get gunned down and everything oh my like God. that. And, uh, that, that movie has stuck with me ever since. And that, that movie is kind of one of the ones that I judge most other movies against. Oh my God. You must not like a lot. Well, you know, no, it's not, not so much that it's just that, uh, you know, I th- I've got, I've got some movies that I consider top tier and mm-hmm. then the vast majority that are in the middle. Right. And then you got the bottom of the rung schlock, right. that, you know, you'll find Bruce Willis in and things like that. Wow. Harsh. Dude. Have you seen what Bruce Willis has been doing lately? Well, lately he's got a you know B- movie I, King right now, but I did like uh, Eric Perret from the eighties. Oh my God. Um, I did uh, stop and watch. They were running the Die Hard movies the other night. I did catch uh, the first one, which was good. I figured out I will stop and and watch that. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of that uh, has to do with you know it was really uh, Willis's breakout movie role. Yeah, know, after Moonlighting. So Moonlighting. That's the one I was trying to think of. The you other know, day. after the TV show. Yeah. But uh, you know, one of the things I discovered is that uh, Alan Rickman's a scene chewer. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that that's as much. As much to do with uh, with uh, the what made the first Die Hard so great. Yeah, Alan, Alan Rickman has, has saved a, a bunch. You know, he was in uh, a movie. I don't know if you you probably watched it. it was Galaxy Quest? Oh yeah. Uh, it, he, he was so. I mean, he's great in everything, but he was so great at that. Yeah. And it would have been a loss if he hadn't been involved. Oh, I know. I know that uh, that is one of those films that sneaks up on you. you yeah. Know, that you kind of look at. You know, sight unseen. Never, never having seen it, and you look at the poster and you're like, Jesus, this looks dumb. <laughs> but my God, is it good? It's fantastic. Yeah. Um. So we got, we've got uh, the Godfather. 
we mentioned, uh, what else are you, what are you, what are you stopping on? You know what? I, I never see it playing. Um, I used to see it back in the eighties, uh, and early nineties playing on like Turner classic movies and stuff like that. But, uh, one of my, this is the movie that I put in when I'm not feeling good, like when I'm homesick or something like that. And, you know, got the flu or whatever. Um, it's Victor Victoria. Have you ever seen it? Wow. Julie Andrews. Yeah. Uh, uh, Blake Edwards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her husband. Yeah. yeah. And that, that movie is, uh, like I said, it's a comfort movie. Wow. Yeah. No, that was a great movie. I bet I've not seen that in 15 years. I, Easy. Yeah. I had to, I had to kind of go out of my way to try and find it when I was younger. And uh, of course now with Amazon, you know, you can find anything you want. I had, uh, I had had a, uh, a CD when I was in, when I was like 21 of uh, Jimi Hendrix playing live at Monterey, his mm-hmm. breakout yep. performance when he came back from Britain and it was so hard to find. I ended up, you know, me and a guy from wooden nickel hunted it down. It took $75 or something like that mm-hmm. and had to get it shipped from uh, overseas. Now you can get it for six bucks. Right. I had the same kind of tracking going on with uh, Victor Victoria and uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the, that's one of my favorites. Every, everything about that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, her, Robert Preston, um, kind of everybody at the top of their game, yeah. which is odd too, because, you know, you think if you mention Julie Andrews to just any casual movie fan, they're going to call out Mary Poppins mm-hmm. and the sound of music. Yeah. You can't be a more different film. No. Than Victor Victoria. No. And it's, uh, like, like I said, I don't understand why I don't see it much on TV. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the, the content, uh, you know, a, a man pretend or a woman pretending to be a man. You would think it'd be, be on all the time now. Well, yeah, you'd think it would be, you know, now, but you know, back then I saw it more often than I do now. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. No, I haven't either. On a, on a show or on a channel for, I don't know how long I couldn't even tell you. God, if you would have given me a thousand guesses, I wouldn't come up with that. That is one of my favorite movies. Huh? Yeah. Um, I would say, one that uh, that I will watch a lot is probably more mainstream, but uh, um, I'll watch or throw in on on Blu-ray uh, Casablanca. Oh, really? Going with the classics? Yeah, yeah. I really, uh, really enjoy uh, that one, and it's 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 so different. You know, you when you consider the time frame and the story and the the period that the story takes place in. Mm-hmm. And then of course, all the, um, all the, the classic lines from it and, and whatnot. So it like everybody had a classic line, had a, had a line in that one. Sure. Yeah. My, well, one of my favorites, I can't remember the actor, but uh, I'm shocked, shocked to find there's gambling going on here. <laughs> yeah. and he grabs his winnings and hustles out. Yep. It's fantastic. Yeah. Bud. yeah and, and it's, you know, one of those movies that I, that doesn't really take place in a lot of different scenes, you know, you've got, um, Casablanca and the Ricks and, and whatnot in the airport and, and the flashbacks and whatnot, but it's still, um, you know, very localized mm-hmm. and, uh, it just relies real heavily on the story. And I think, you know, yeah. as a, as a fan of, of films and whatnot, you know, there's, there something about seeing these, these giants, of the uh, of the film, you know, especially classic Hollywood mm-hmm. on, on the screen, it's the same thing for me. With um, I, I doubt you'd see it on TV too much anymore, but uh, Gone with the Wind and seeing 
Clark Gable and Vivian Lee on on there, you know, with the Technicolor that was done on it on the Blu-ray. It looks like it was filmed yesterday. Uh, you know, I I, I want to come back to the you know just the classic movies because I got a couple that I want to talk to you about. But uh, I'll tell you, as much as a, a movie file as I consider myself, and well steeped in movie and have much movie savvy, but I've never watched Gone with the Wind. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. I, I caught it, uh, here in, in, uh, Fort Wayne where we're at, there's a, um, an old theater called the embassy mm. and I, um, I've seen it in that theater Oh wow! On, on the big screen, you know, complete with intermission and all. I mean, it, it's, it's a marathon flick. Uh, but you know, just seeing it in, in, in that, you know, with the, the big, uh, uh, curtains in that theater and, and whatnot, it's just, it's literally like stepping back in time. It's a different experience. Yeah. Right. Anything that they show down there. Have you ever seen the film, uh, speaking of classic Hollywood, some like it hot, uh, the Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. yeah. That could hold up today. With some so? of this, oh, I think so. Because of the, uh, the cross dressing and, yep. and everything that, uh, that goes on with it. It, it had to be really risque. You know, in in, uh, the early sixties. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny what we, what we look back on and see as just completely, uh, normalized now, which back then would have been like a big thing. I I was watching somebody the other day who was doing a, uh, a reaction to watching the, the, the exorcist for the first time. Uh huh. And they were, you know, this is a, this is a kid who's grown up with, uh, the walking uh, dead, the walking dead yep. and the human caterpillar or, or human centipede right. and all that. And, you know, Numb. She, she's just watching it. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And doesn't realize that this movie is a reason these other things exist. Yeah. No, she, except and she, it's, it's smart. Yeah. She, she said, I, I could see why this was scary back then. <laughs> I was like, back then. Little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, um. Uh, some of the special effects don't hold up, but I mean that the story itself is, it's a terrifying story. It is. Uh, it's bad enough that I, uh, I actually read the book, uh, years ago when I was in college and it was one of those ones. It's not a really thick book. So I, I picked it up and finished it in a couple hours and polished it off at like three o'clock in the morning. And, uh, was actually wired up enough from reading the book because there's a lot more, discussion between the priest and the the demon in the book was it azazel yeah yeah and there there was just a lot more back and forth between them and it was much creepier yeah and i literally kind of felt like i need to look under the bed and make sure nothing's yeah. gonna get me tonight well and that's one of those uh, those ones too that even the even the movie poster you know has that Promise. creep factor mm-hmm. to it and then you know the staircase and and, and all that um I'll tell you one of the more terrifying scenes that I've seen in a movie is from the exorcist three. Oh my God. I know right where you're going. <laughs> Holy crap. The way that shot. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it's in the vein of a jump scare. Mm-hmm. I guess it, it is, but there's no gore. No, it just uh, what happens. Just your, your, your mind fills the rest of that in yeah. immediately. And the way the, the quick zoom in, mm-hmm. you're just like, God, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. What, what Andy's talking about here for anybody who hasn't seen it, there's a, well, yeah, I don't want to spoil yeah, it. It's not, a, it's not yeah. vital he's, to the plot. He, yeah. He's, he's uh, talking about just, uh, you know, the, the empty uh, hospital where there's just one Which nurse. Which is probably on. two or three in the morning. Yeah. So there's minimal staff. Yeah. And there's just one nurse on duty and she's walking back and forth doing her rounds and she walks through and immediately somebody comes walking up real fast behind her with about this 
huge pair of uh, surgical shears right but right aimed at yeah. the neck dressed like an old school nun yeah and I think. dude yeah that when they zoomed in like i was like a cat on the ceiling dude yep because like, yep, it's a quick zoom and i believe there's even some some awful sound mm-hmm. that that happens and you never see anybody you just know that head came off yeah and that you know that uh there's there's a thing that you know i've had a theory about for a long time that uh if, if you make a sequel the sequel's probably gonna suck but the third movie is usually good. A rebound. A rebound. Yeah. Yep. And you know, the, the only one that I can think of right offhand that this doesn't hold true with is Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Because Empire Strikes Back was the uh, the best out of the three. And and yeah, the Return of the Jedi is a fall off, mm-hmm. except for the last few scenes for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can you can take that with anything. The Godfather, the two was, eh. Third was better. Eh. Uh, that one, The Exorcist, two was absolute schlock. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was just a money grab or if Had they were actually trying to make an effort there or not. But yeah. The third one of that was great. Yeah. George C. Scott was great in it. Uh, um, I won't say too much more in case somebody wants to check it out, but yeah, you could, you could literally pretend that the second one never happened and just go from one to three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, really, you know, you, you wouldn't even have to watch the first one. No, I mean, along. but you do get, you do get uh, when a character shows up, you, you get to continuity. be like, oh my god! Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the yeah that that scene just that was god, intense. You can yeah. YouTube that scene. Just YouTube Exorcist Three hospital scene. Yeah, and that should pro- that should do it. Oh, and I can't I can't remember that there was there was one of the the women who woman who did that voice. Oh, she was yes. talking to the priest. She she was somebody who was uh, uh, heavy into. Uh, was a, a big name in earlier Hollywood. Right. And just like smoked name, like though. a chimney. Yeah. And yeah. they, I think they just had her come in in the mornings mm-hmm. and, and cut that, that dialogue. Yeah. Just as was, you know, like sound like she had a, about a 30 pack <laughs> of heaters, you know, and then, then went right to it. I mean, already you starting with the, the coffee and, or this, with the cocktail and cigarette generation and then on top of that, just what she was doing there, it was terrible. But. Man, yeah, that. Uh, um, I don't know how. I don't know how Linda Blair looked in the mirror for, for probably the next ten years and didn't get freaked out. Yeah, she was a little kid when they did. That. I know it. Yeah, they jacked up her back too. I remember her talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, there's there's not many that you would consider classics when you're talking about like horror and things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you really want to consider it that but uh i mean we were talking about some of the other classic movies that we were uh that uh i didn't really understand or realize or have any exposure till until i was older and one of those was a lot of john wayne stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, most of his stuff uh i like it okay but it's not it's not a favorite some of it is really bad like the green berets is probably the the worst piece of schlock propaganda that I've ever seen. Yeah. But he did a couple movies that are perfect classics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the searchers. Those, yeah. One of them is, uh, the quiet man. Oh, that's uh, my mom's favorite movie. That, that is a fantastic movie. And I've got two copies of it. I've got a, a copy on DVD. That's like a 20 or like a 50th anniversary or something mm-hmm. like that. And I can't throw it away because of the commentary. It's got commentary from a couple different people, the director and this, that, and the other, but it's also got commentary from start to finish, if you want to listen to it, of Maureen O'Hara. 
Really? Yeah, and it's great listening her, to her talk about the film, talk, reminisce about working with, because she worked with John Wayne and uh, the director, uh, Ford. Yeah, Glenn in, Ford. In, in, in multiple movies. John and Ford. she Sorry. would just sit there and, you know, reminisce, not only talking about, you know, how we decided to do this scene, but how we came up with this story. And, you know, also, you know, her all her other experiences working with John and uh, Ford. Mm-hmm. And it's I, even though I bought the Blu-ray and like you were saying, because that just brought it right up for me. The Blu-ray on that is it's fantastic. The 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 transfer. Is yeah, I had never I had never seen it that clean. Mm-hmm. You know, things that I had never seen in the movie before are now are visible to me. And it's sure. just it's fantastic. But I can't I can't get rid of that other one because no. it's got her commentary. And sometimes I'll just put that. How in would that budget. not be on the Blu-ray? I don't know. So that they can release it again in 10 years and put it on. I don't know. You know, with the way things go on in Hollywood, there's probably like five or six different people who own that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that uh, uh, jumping back and forth again, you know, transfer-wise, in movies you'd stop and watch whenever you see them, Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz. Oh. Uh, the Blu-ray transfer of the Wizard of Oz, same thing. About that. It absolutely, you know, especially the, the, the sepia tone scenes are, are so sharp, but then when she ends up in Oz and opens that door and it goes to the, the Technicolor, it, it's just amazing. That must have been really something to see, Holy you know, crap. being in the yeah. in the theater for the first time to see that. That must have been really impressive. Yeah, well, you know, it it flopped when it came out. People A lot didn't of good get movies it, do. right? People didn't get it, and uh, you know, when you you see things in there, and then you um, you know read about uh, the, trying to get the movie made and, and whatnot, and how how Hollywood was back then. I mean, you know, they, they basically, uh, I think it was in Judy Garland's contract that she couldn't gain any more weight. Um, so, you know, you have things like that, that you would never see today. And it, you know, she had somebody that would monitor what she was eating to go ahead and make sure that she wasn't gaining weight. Um, I'm sure they would do it now if they could get away with it. Oh yeah. Well, I'm yeah. It, it's, it's tough. It, to think about what goes on. But, you know, these days, another thing uh, that I just read yesterday was Kira Knightley has said she will do no, um, no sex or nude scenes with male directors. So she will never do it. You know, if it's a male director, I, I wasn't aware she had, she hasn't done any nude scenes. Has she unaware, but I, you know, I mean, as far as sex scenes, so I don't know. I mean, it makes you wonder though. I don't blame her. Right. No, I, I get it. I mean, it, you know, I mean, how, how often are they vital? I mean, absolutely vital to the the story. I have a feeling you'll be seeing them a lot less. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'll, you know, I, I've had this discussion before. I'm actually kind of uncomfortable with, you know, how graphic a lot of the sex scenes are is because it, you know, like, you know, it, it's one thing it's, if it's a movie that it's, you know, boogie nights, boogie nights or yeah. something like that, you know, where, you know, it's just part of it. But you know, if it's just something to, you know, pull somebody in, we got this, yeah. you know, it's just, it's uncomfortable. And a lot of movies, you know, the ones that are done well there, it's just implied. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, mean, it's you, all you don't really, you, can't you see. don't really need to. So, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see though, you know, Kira Knightley's established. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she has, she has some weight behind her that she can go and say, yeah, I'm not doing this. Yeah. It makes you, it makes you wonder, you know, really it, it kind of, you, it, as a guy, it, it puts you in that space of, you wonder if some new actress would ever say that. And, and you, you know, you just don't think, I, which I, is a I shame. I think so. 
You know, I mean, I think, you know, with the, the whole uh, Harvey Weinstein thing, I think that the, a lot of that stopped because I think uh, three quarters of Hollywood, you know, the, the, the power machine in Hollywood probably uh, was wiping sweat from their brow mm-hmm. when uh, old Harvey got popped. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know that, uh, like, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's um, Alyssa Milano's boyfriend. Okay. He's in a lobbying PR firm that handled people like Weinstein and a couple other people. And, you know, uh, there was a whole lot of back and forth going on there about who they had been, you know, protecting and what they had been doing. And I think you're right. I think I, I, you know, I even think now that uh, as long as it's not on paper and it's not being recorded, they'll probably still try to put the pressure on for that. Sure. You know, if it's just word of mouth. And I'm, I remember, cause you know, even, even an actress that would be uh, established later, like I'm thinking particularly of Heather Graham from Boogie Nights. She mm-hmm. said that before she got her break, which I believe was with Boogie Nights, she said she was uh, like scheduled to start doing uh, adult film. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just she managed to get that part and, you know, turned her back on it. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it makes you wonder. You really haven't seen, I, I couldn't tell you the last movie. I mean, that I, well, I guess The Hangover the, was the last time I remember her in a big big budget film yeah i don't know i haven't uh i haven't well, i haven't seen anything with her in it for a while i think you're right i mean that's that's i'm sure she's done stuff since then but i i can't remember i, I remember her being the uh, mother of carlos <laughs> <laughs> carlos the baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> in in uh, the hangover and that was a great one um another one of the John Wayne movies, uh, really the only two that are, you know, my, my, the ones that I like mm-hmm. out of John Wayne's work was, uh, Angel and the Batman. Oh yeah. You're early on. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was one of those movies that I remember. There's, there's two movies that really stand out to me from this kind of experience, but I'd, uh, whenever I get, you know, sick, if I'm ill, I just, I can't sleep. Uh-huh. And so I'm up at like three, four in the morning watching cable, uh, because I'm sick and there are a bunch of movies that I came across in that situation. Angel and the Badman was one of them, and Seven Samurai was another one. Oh, and uh, Angel and the Badman was a short film. I mean, it's it's not real long, but it's it's really well done. And uh, uh, Gail Russell in it was great. And you know, unfortunately, her her story was a little bit tragic too. But uh, that was another classic that I can just throw in there. I've got that on DVD. And eventually I'll pick it up on Blu-ray just when I've got money to burn. Right. I, uh, by the way, Heather Graham has stayed steadily busy. Uh, a lot of, uh, smaller films, uh, a lot of TV. I know she had been, uh, interested in doing a lot of indie films that she had, uh, see, she did a one that I never saw anywhere except, uh, on DVD and it was her, and Robert Downey Jr. before he got big again. And another, I can't remember who the other woman was, but it was uh, the two of them were, he was he was playing the two of them and supposedly dating both of them and they confront him. And it's just this kind of one, this two room thriller, you know, drama where the, the three of them are just arguing with each other. It was pretty good. I haven't seen that one. I can't remember what the name of it is. I have to IMDB it. Um. Yeah, so I would recommend uh, catching uh, 
the uh, Gone with the Wind, uh, just as a completionist, especially throwback old Hollywood. Yeah. The, the scale of this movie, and you know, you take all the 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 leanings of uh, the the story and and romanticizing of you know, slavery in the South, and just for what it is yeah. as a film, and you know, just. Uh, I'll get to it. I'm sure. I mean, it's on my list. I just, it's one of those things that I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, if it's on, if it's on TV, I want to watch it without any kind of, uh, you know, commercial interruption. Oh, de- definitely. So I don't want to miss anything like that, but it, you know, I'll get to it eventually. Yeah. It's, it is old school Hollywood grandeur. I mean, that, that's the film. It's nice to see. I mean, I like seeing movies now. You don't you don't see it as much because uh, since the ad- advent of CGI, a lot of the a lot of the ways they used to do things just went out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, stunt work, uh, you know, big production things like that. Which, on one hand, I can understand it. On the other hand, I really think it you lose something, right? Especially with if the CGI is not well done, because then it just looks cartoony. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. it it can get out of hand real quick. There, there's too much of a good thing. And that's why I think you and I talked on, on the uh, Lord of the Rings episode. It, it may have made its way into it was the fact that, that still, I think the best use of CGI that I'd ever seen is still uh, Jurassic park. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I, it stands up today. It does. It, the work they did there it, it, just it is fine today. Yeah. Which is astonishing that it still does. Um, yeah. So, what have we we talked? We've talked uh, Godfather. Some classics. Yep. I'm trying to think. Obviously, I'm leaving Star Wars off of there because I, I've we've been over it. Yeah, I've talked about that one or a hundred times uh, in here on this show. I've got, uh, like, for instance, uh, I've got just a, a group of actors or directors sure. that. Anything they're involved with, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. You know, I might not even like it, but I'm going to watch right. it. You know, Quentin Tarantino, I'm, I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. Yep. And I, I like it when I, I'm sure you've seen Four Rooms. Mm-hmm. That one in particular is fun because the, his story out of that, uh, for anybody listening, that's a, it's a series of vignettes. It's uh, four stories, four different directors in the same movie and it all takes place in one hotel. And that's the, that's the tie in storyline is the, uh, the bellboy and Quentin Tarantino is in the, the fourth one. And also, uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez does one. I can't remember the other two, uh, directors, but they're both good. But Quentin Tarantino took a story from, uh, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock hour and, uh, adapted it for that, for that, uh, uh, that little vignette. And he, he talks about it during the, during the movie about how, you know, basically we're, you know, reenacting what happened in this, in this, uh, episode. And I had never heard of it before. And it was an episode with Peter Laurie and Steve McQueen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it took me 20 years to find this episode. Really? Yeah. I started by, I started looking through box sets, you know, trying to find, and there's a whole lot of Alfred Hitchcock hour episodes. I mean, I didn't realize, you know, how many he had done and it took me until Netflix, you know, once Netflix came about and they got the Alfred Hitchcock hour for a couple months and I burned through there looking for this episode. It's called the man from the South. I think it's like in the 11th season or something like that. Huh? 
And it's, uh, it's great because Alfred Hitchcock's is what he's one of the ones that Hitchcock's work will stand up even today. Mm-hmm. And even though I know what happened in the story, even though I, I know what happened, I'm still drawn in completely yeah. by his, by, by his mastery. Right. You know, and then you've got the work, you know, I mean, Steve McQueen, he's great. Peter Laurie, I don't think I've ever seen him do anything bad. Yep. And even if you don't know the name Peter Laurie, you know, you know the face. Yeah. Yep. As soon as you see him. Oh, that guy. Yeah. 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 No, that's, uh, that's one of those transcendent um, uh, film directors. You know, if you've ever seen, uh, read about or seen um, the movie Hitchcock with, um, uh, it's basically about his filming of Psycho. Oh yeah, and it it, it tells a story that it, the the dude would never fly today with the the stunts he pulled. Oh really? You know, with the actresses and and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Psycho was the first time I believe that a bathroom a toilet maybe the shower was shown on film mm-hmm. and you know obviously the other things with you know the the shower scene and uh the hershey's oh, syrup oh god <laughs> yeah it um it, it studios didn't want to touch it you know because of the you know it, was a, it wasn't a well-known book Mm-mm. and he he had just decided he had enough clout to get this thing made and it, uh, that's another one of those, you know, I have horror, psychological horror films that, uh, that really was ahead of its time, mm-hmm. you know, probably just terrified people mm-hmm. in there. And then the, you know, with a great twist in it as well. Yeah. And there, you know, there wasn't, uh, at least you don't come across a whole lot of like, uh, uh, you hear the term gaslight a lot of times now. Oh, it's I mean, very it's popular. Very popular term. That, that that term comes from a movie called Gaslight. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, it, I think it's from the 40s. Um, some some guy uh, has got a rich wife that he wants to get rid of so he can take take her money. And he tries convincing her that she's insane by constantly, whenever she's alone in the house, turning off and on the gaslights. And then when she complains about it, everybody, you know, tells her she doesn't, you know, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And he's, you know, constantly, are you sure? You know, and just, I think you're, you're kind of seeing things and maybe, you know, and that's, that's where the term gaslight comes from. And I don't remember who, who directed that, but it is, it is a really old movie. God. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've looked up the term and the meaning that I had no idea it came from there. I do know that about four years ago, I put um, uh, programmable LED light bulbs in the house and I was sitting over at my brother's house with uh, uh, my older daughter. We were out in there and I was controlling the colors of the lights at the house. And somebody was here. Colleen, my wife was here and she calls. Uh Uh-huh. And she said, hey, there's something going on with the lights. I'm like, what do you mean? And she says, they're like turning colors. And I'm talking to her on speakerphone. I'm sliding these colors and, and doing all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, it's doing it right now. 
she said, I, you know, I can FaceTime you and show you, but it's doing it. And five minutes, I keep this up. And I said, well, you know, I'll be home in a little while. You know, call me back if it does it again. And so hang up. Skylar and I are laughing, dialing up the different colors, calls me back. Fantastic. I ended up telling her what I was doing, but it, great fun. So, yeah. and Did you get hit when you got home? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah. Okay. Gaslighting. We, we've learned, uh, we've learned where it comes from or led programmable lighting <laughs> either way. Oh man. I can't think of any, any other psychological thrillers that old really. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm trying to think of any that, that fit on that list of things that I'm going to go ahead and, and stop and watch, uh, you know, an, an example of one that was well done was, um, the sixth sense, but then, you know, what happened there, I think it became a case of, I, I don't think M night Shyamalan ever had the, uh, the thought of being the twist surprise guy. And then the sixth sense hit as big as it did. And it's like, Oh, I got to do that. I got to find a way to do that in every film. Yeah. And it just, uh, trying too hard. I, you know, one I trying enjoyed too hard. I like that phrase. You know, it was, uh, I thought unbreakable was, was pretty decent. That's I thought good. it was a good story. Um, I liked signs up until the, the very Where end. Where you saw the alien. Well, you see the alien, but then their, their weakness is water, <laughs> right? So, so why not try and colonize a planet that's 90% water? And it could rain any moment. So, you know, I mean, obviously this didn't take place in Seattle, right? <laughs> they were fine. <laughs> so, you know, just, you know. Yeah, you people in Nebraska are messed up. You got a problem. Yeah. I just, I, I've never understood uh, that kind of twist. It was kind of like he, he gets through the whole film, the script, mm -hmm. and then sits there and has a buddy review it and go, what if it rains? And he grabs a script back from him all pissed off and goes, shut up. And <laughs> that's, that's why people like that always have a yes, man. <laughs> you got it. Knight. You got it. Rick McCallum. Yeah. Who was uh, George Lucas's yeah. yes, man, the producer of the, the prequels. Yes. <laughs> Don't listen to him, George. You're a genius. You know exactly what you're doing. Keep Jar Jar Binks in there. It'll be awesome. Let's shoot it all green screen. Somebody's so awesome. I want to have your baby, George. Somebody get George a Diet Coke. <laughs> I'll take care of this, George. I said diet. I will kill your children. Oh, I just remember watching all the um, the behind the scenes footage on on those discs. Yeah, I remember and, watching them with oh you. Oh my god, about He's, he he had the appearances of the ultimate yes man. Yeah, yeah. Um, the sniveling. <laughs> yeah, yep. Whatever George wants, George gets. <laughs> <laughs> I just I can see him so vividly right now. You know that um, trying to trying to put lightning get lightning in a bottle again. That is something that a lot of people fall prey to, mm. you know, and I saw, I saw it really bad on game of Thrones on game of Thrones. After the red wedding, it was like every season they tried to up the red wedding. Right. So, um, I've audio booked the books, but it's been a while. And I know that you probably read them once a year. 
<laughs> um, what? So after the red wedding, obviously, what was it? Season? What season did they run out of source material? Um, Would you th- about? You know, I have I haven't watched all of them, so I know they ran out of material once she made it to Marine. Okay, because that was that was where the book the books left off. Okay, all right. She made it to Marine, and uh, and back in Westeros, uh, John had made it to uh, Lord Commander. Okay, and the book ended with him getting knifed by right. the Black Brothers. Okay, so. Um, was that a case then of George R. R. Martin trying to one up everything, or is that the show? No, that was B and B. That was Benioff and whatever the yeah. other guy's name were was. Which uh, so what? What were they doing? Adding stuff that wasn't in the books after that. Well, so the Red Wedding hits, mm-hmm. and no, they just they tried to they tried to take the shock factor up. Okay. With with every season after that, they just you know they tried to have like one scene that would be you know particularly brutal, and uh, it just the thing the thing about the red wedding, I, I guess you know they just they just didn't get it is it was just completely unexpected. Sure. Uh, and you know I I remember reading it in the book and uh, did I, you have to put it down? Yeah, yeah, because you know he he is a really great writer, and uh, I, I know. People aren't really talking about it, but he is a really great writer. Normally when I'm reading something and there's some foreshadowing, I can see what's coming a mile ahead. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's usually pretty obvious, but with that, the whole buildup to the red wedding in the book three, which is storm of swords, there's just something off and you're just reading it and you, you just like kind of amped up like something you're not even really, you know, making a conscious thought about it is just something's wrong and not sure what's going on. And then that happens in the, in the book. And it was like, and well, what's the tip off that, you know, that, that it's about the, to go down her and Roos, the Ma- male, Cat- the Catlin, armor, Catelyn and Roos. Yeah. Just and like it shows in the, in the pretty, pretty much. Yeah. She notices the armor and, uh, it, it just, and everything just immediately exploded, goes to hell, yep. you know, and you know, the, the way, of course, you know, you're, you're not going to get in a movie or a TV show, what you get in a book, but the way they, you know, they described it in the book where the doors just open and just axemen started flooding into the place and all hell broke loose. And it was, you know, that's, that's, you know, the kind of stuff that I like seeing is when everything goes wrong. Yep. But I had no clue that was coming. I knew something was coming, you know, something was getting amped up. I had no idea. And I literally almost threw the book. I was like, no, 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 no. Have you ever watched reaction videos on YouTube? Oh, I love them. Did you watch the red wedding ones? It's a, yeah. Where there's a compilation of people and I mean, people are screaming and crying. crying, Oh my God. Um, yeah, that's if, if you, you guys who are listening have never watched reaction videos on YouTube and you have one of those nights where you just can't sleep. Uh, YouTube, uh, Google reaction videos, and then, you know, whatever, whatever you want to, uh, see people react to. Yeah. One of my favorite things to see in reaction videos is, uh, people who do reviews and reaction videos, but they're usually doing something with like uh rap or hip hop or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they've never been introduced to rage against the machine. And they're like, okay, we're going to watch this. And they, they start out and you know, the baseline comes in. They're like, mm-hmm. all right. 
all right. And they're getting more and more into it. And then Zach De La Rocha comes out there and just starts spitting out these lyrics. And they're like, oh, what yep. is this? And they just lose it because they had never, you know, they'd never seen these guys. I was lucky enough to see them. 1993 at Lollapalooza down in Indianapolis, mm. down in Deer Creek. And they opened, they were the opening act. It was like 11 in the morning or something like that. I don't even remember, but they were the most high energy band. I know we're getting off the topic. But oh. They were the most higher energy band I've ever seen in my life. And they lit the place up. Uh-huh. Every, everything stopped and just turned towards that stage to watch them. Cause there was, there were other people playing up there. Uh, I think tool was off on, on a side stage. It was anyway, it was just, it was amazing. And, uh, <laughs> Zach Tillerocha stops the show like ha- halfway through a song. He just cuts everything. He's like, there's somebody down here in the front row down here, bopping to my music, wearing a screwdriver t-shirt. And you know, anybody who doesn't know screwdrivers, a, a white hate rock t- uh, band. And, uh, everybody starts booing. He's like, I ought to get down and beat your ass myself. <laughs> Everybody starts cheering. He's like, take that shirt off. And the dude took his off. He's like, all right, then. And he keeps going. It was intense, man. Yeah. And it was it was actually a disappointment because I thought they were so great. I went and got their CD. And the recorded version was just completely a letdown compared sure. to what you see live. And it was like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it you know, with things like that, and, and I don't think we're getting off topic too much here because it, you know, being entertainment podcast covering music and whatnot, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing about that. So that was 93. Um, God, almost 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So they were geared up to hit the road again here before all, all this uh, went nuts. And of course, any, any big show, you know, with a big name that, uh, whether you like the big name or not, tickets to shows aren't cheap. No. And I think that was, that was one of the, the things when, when rage was going to, uh, head out again, which I think they're still going to once everything, um, uh, opens back up and things get under control was, you know, the, the tickets were hitting at like 300 a pop. Yeah. You know, so, um, of course, you know, there's a lot of people who can't afford a $300 ticket. So you end up with a crowd who's not the crowd that was at Lollapalooza. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. you're like, you know, drinking their $20 beer and, you know, sport <laughs> coat. rage against, against the, the machine. machine. Right. Yeah. You know, for $300. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, to me, I don't mind if I've got the money and I don't go to as many shows as I used to. Maybe it's just age, but I don't mind dropping the money for something I want to see, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, I'm probably not going to drop 300 on a brand new band that I've never seen before. But if it's, you know, I mean, if it's, if it's an experience that, you know, exactly. you're remember there's not a, yeah. I, you know, the last, the last show I saw was Dave Matthews band and we went to see him over in which one's further South Cincinnati or Columbus. It's Cincinnati, isn't it? Yes. Okay. We went to see him in Cincinnati and I went there uh, specifically because I wanted to see them plus the band that was opening for them. And this place down in Cincinnati, uh, I can't remember the name of this venue, but they're awful. They're just awful. This this place, uh, traffic was backed up three and a half hours Ugh. to get in. They had one entrance and exit that would allow in one car at a time. 
And, you know, I don't know how many thousand people were there, but, you know, I completely missed the first, you know, show and, Ooh. you know, got in there halfway through and just, uh, I realized while I was about quarter of the way through, I'd have probably enjoyed this more if I watched it on TV. And on one hand, how I old kinda, were you? This, really? this was like, uh, 10 years ago, maybe. Jeez. And, you know, on one hand, you know, I was like, man, is this cause I'm old or is this just cause this venue sucks? Yeah. Cause they had this big iron girder monstrosity that was blocking the stage you couldn't see it and plus because it's dave matthews band you know you got uh a lot of uh dave bros there with their hats on backwards from the locals the local frat all <laughs> puffed up on weed and uh, dave bros uh, dude it, it was it was just a, a weed emporium there i mean the whole place smelled like a, a like a bunch of skunks had just been dumped in a basket yeah yeah um dave matthews band is one of those um, bands I, I never really got into, but respect the talent. You know, I can't, there's nothing negative I can say about. Not, not now that Boyd Tinsley's out of the group ouch, anyway. <laughs> ouch. That's ouch. harsh, man, because I'm, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, they were better with him. They were better with him. Yeah, well, without from an artistic his, without point his violin, of view. he's not, it's, the band's not as good. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that's, it's dark, man. No, well, you went dark on me. God, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I find, uh, let's see, what was the last show? I'd taken, uh, I, I took Colleen to see uh, Lady Gaga in Las Vegas in 2019, so it would have been just a few months before everything shut down. And Yeah, I remember you posting pictures and videos yeah, from that. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it's, not, it's not my typical show, but it was, it was well- well done. Um, that's one of the things about the venues out in Vegas, at least uh, the few that I've been to for music, is they're specifically set up for music. Mm. So the acoustics are good. Um, sight lines are really good. Um, and they're not huge. I mean, uh, you know, somebody like uh, um, Lady Gaga these days, I mean, she could she could fill 20, 30 grand in a big city. Yeah. And, um, without even trying. Really. Right. Right. And the, the venue that we saw her at was 5,000 seats. The embassy's 10. Nice. So, you, you know, and then the way it was built out between the balcony and, and the floor, you're not, you're not more than like 160 feet from the stage. Yeah. So the way, the way they set them up, that, that makes a huge difference. I mean, you know, the, the, the reason that I didn't like going to see the show, you know, uh, on top of the fact that I was amped up because of the, uh, the, the situation of trying to get in, mm-hmm. which by the way, that also meant there was four hours waiting, trying to get out. It was just, you know, and one cop out there that was directing traffic, it was a mess, but uh, you know, the, the venue was just terrible. I mean, I, you couldn't see the band unless you had paid for the tickets to get underneath the pavilion. And they had this big jumbotron that you were just watching the band on. Which means like, you would have rather exactly. watched it at home. That's, that's why it came out. I was like, I could just be sitting at home and not stink like weed right now. I, you know, it would have been mm-hmm. great. I, the music was still great. You know, it's just, it's just the venue. And it's what you said, you know, if it's, if you've got a nice small venue, my favorite place here in Indiana to see uh, shows, I don't even know if they're open anymore, is the Marat Temple down in Indianapolis. It's called something else, but it's still there. Yeah. So you like the, the theater or the Egyptian, the Egyptian room? room. Yep. Yeah. I, I saw, I don't, I can't tell you how many bands I saw down there. I saw Garbage uh, twice down there. I saw Oasis 
twice. Who, who I did I? I saw garbage down there with you. Did you? Were yeah. you one of one of yeah. those times? Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, you know, Shirley Manson, right, right there. there. Yeah. We know? we got up. We got up right near the stage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I, you know, if I'm I'm getting in there, I'm getting in there. Yeah. Right, pushing up right up front, especially for Shirley Manson, and uh, Oasis. I saw them down there and a couple other people, and then contrast that with the la- the show that I saw at the it used to be the RCA Dome. Mm-hmm. which was uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers with uh, the Toadies opening for them, which I, I went down there because I wanted to see the Toadies, which was a waste of my time because the lead singer came out there completely smashed. I mean, not even able to slur the words. I mean, he was just like falling around the stage. It must be because there's nothing to do in, it, in Indianapolis <laughs> because the same thing happened in 94. I saw the Stones um, down there and Counting Crows opened up. Mm-hmm. For him and Adam Duritz, oh. the lead singer, came out just same way, completely sloshed, regretting <laughs> his life that night in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's what I read off of it. But yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, the first show I ever saw was at the RCA Dome, mm-hmm. and it was in 1989. Oh, god, $50 face value tickets <sighs> to the Stones. And uh, you know who opened up for him? wasn't poison. <laughs> no, they were up here playing your show. Um, uh, Living Color. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really great show. Uh, one of the things, though, that, you know, I think you were going to mention is, you know, some of these, some of these big stadiums aren't built Mm-mm. for sound. Mm-mm. And so you, it can get really terrible sounding yeah. in a hurry. Luckily, um, it was pretty well, uh, well done there. I'm trying to think of a venue where I've, where I've been like, man, this sound just sucks. It doesn't help a lot of times that uh, bands that are great in the studio sound terrible live. You know who? You know who that was for me? Hmm. Was, and I think it was more to well, maybe not the White Stripes. Oh, really? They opened up for the Stones at a different show that I saw them at, but it just was the, like it, just the pair of them, huh? Yeah, and. You know, I mean, they're playing a football stadium and it just doesn't, the sound doesn't work. Yeah. Jack, Jack White's theory that you don't need a bassist just doesn't, uh, uh you know, with the with guy's just a hell a, of a musician. Yeah. Oh but he's, yeah. He's no, impressive. I you. And you know, and the studio albums are great. You know, I love the studio mm-hmm. albums, but I always just assumed that they'd probably be terrible in concert. It, the sound was awful. It just, it didn't in a, in a bar venue, mm-hmm. it probably would have been badass. Mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, that's, you know, a, a 40,000 seat, 50,000 seat stadium. Mm-hmm. And you got a guitar and drums it's, <laughs> that you're trying to figure out the amplification on to the, yeah. to the place. It, it's tough. Yeah. I think one of the best opening acts that I ever saw was Lenny Kravitz back in, that would have been 94. So, I mean, it was before he was like, you he know, he was always it, impressive. Yeah, no, he was uh, really, uh, that was probably the best opening act I'd ever seen. I've seen a couple of them that really stood out, but, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the ones that I'm, I'm thinking of in particular, uh, I, I was thinking about, uh, Lollapalooza and there were a couple bands there that I'd never heard of before, but I wanted, I was there happy to see Alice in Chains mm. and Alice in Chains wasn't Chains wasn't the headliner. I didn't realize that Alice in Chains came out and played their set. And then the everything went dark, and Primus came out. 
and played and My Name is Mud. They played the dude that the place erupted when Primus came out there. And I was like, really? I, mean, I had I hadn't yeah, ever heard anything except for mm-hmm. My Name is Mud mm-hmm. and, you know, Winona's Big Brown Beaver. And, uh, <laughs> dude, it just, I, I, they, they ripped it. Yeah. They, you know, there was no, no doubt about it. They were good. And, you know, you know, who's really good, uh, live or used to be is ACDC. Yeah. ACDC sounds exactly the same if they're live or on, or, you know, in the studio. Yeah. Because they just keep doing what they do. Yeah. They don't. Uh, all one, four or five chords and, you know, yeah. blues chords. Yeah. They're, and, and they and just that's keep it. going. Yeah. And that's it. And they've never strayed from the formula. <laughs> I'm all right with it. And, and, uh, who was it? Was it Angus Young that said no ballads? That's their only, <laughs> their only, their only rule. Yeah. No ballads. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. And I think, uh, <laughs> what's the closest thing to an ACDC ballad? The Jack? <laughs> it might be. She shook me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good. Oh uh, man, the Jack. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, they had a they had a rough couple of years here. The last three years, um, uh, Malcolm Young got dementia and died. Yeah. Um, their drummer killed somebody. Uh, Brian Johnson lost a lot of his hearing mm-hmm. and couldn't and go got, out on the got, road. Wasn't it? Didn't they have that? Axel Rose oh, was yeah. singing for that just disgusted me. I couldn't yeah. even couldn't even stomach seeing that Axel Rose singing for ACDC. Yeah. And kind of I you know, kind of a snob about some things, and that's that's one of those things. ACDC is dirt rock. I don't care what anybody says, man. That's I won't keep going. <laughs> On ACDC or Guns N' Roses? Guns N' Roses. Okay. Yeah. No, I can uh yeah, I'll listen to ACDC whenever I hear it comes on because it's just it it makes no apologies for no. what it is, and it's great. And it's just great basic blues rock. Yeah, you know, and they and it's it's always you know they're always good. I, I had a couple of their live albums. They did a double live album back in the late nineties. It was mm-hmm. great. It was fantastic. Yeah, I was just uh, watching uh, the. I've got the. I think it's DVD. I don't think it's Blu-ray. Uh, live at Donington. Mm. The only band to actually use real cannons in their set, <laughs> in case you want to know. Could have something to do with why Brian Johnson... Death. Is, yeah. So, oh. um, I remember we went to... Uh, we went and saw... The only the only show I saw at Soldier Field. Oh, you too. You too. Yeah. What year was that? Oh, my God. That would have had to have been... Was that was during the, the, the... The Lemon Tour. Yeah, a pop. Yeah. And so... Discotech 93. Something like that. I, it, I'm thinking it was 93, 94. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah. No, and I, that, I remember the tickets back then were 60 bucks and we were like, yep. 60 bucks for a ticket. You two still managed to happen. One of those, one of those bands that has figured out the stadium tour. Yeah. You know, they can do it. The stones can do it. ACDC can do it. Um, uh, Def Leppard, the the absolute the absolute pioneers though, Led Queen. Zeppelin. Oh yeah, you know that's that's one that's one of those one of those bands that you know I mean they say okay you know you can pick three acts to go see out of any any time frame, dead or alive. Mm. Here's three. I'm Queen is one of them. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna you know it. it Heyday, I don't think that there's a better, um, a uh, better 
lead vocalist and, and no. than than Freddie Mercury. I I still haven't figured out that range that he and and showmanship. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, when you've got, um, uh, you know, the technical end and the showmanship side, you know, is is a really hard thing to do in rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it just is. And I, I think, you know, another one would be Mick Jagger as far as the, you know, the front man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd pick Queen. Which takes something. I mean, you can't get up there and fake it. No. Yeah. You can't, you can't be doing auto tune and stuff like that and then get up there and put a show out and have it be memorable. And, and, and believable. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah. Nothing worse than. And going to a show and somebody lip syncs. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen. Well, if, if I've heard about it, if you go to um, uh, shows that have a have a big amount of choreography, chances mm. are there's going to be one or two songs that are going to be lip synced. You know, just to kind of give a give the act a a breather. Yeah, you know, in between the two, but it's it's noticeable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, it's gotta be, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, it's gotta be really hard, especially, you know, you got somebody who does have talent, like, uh, for instance, like Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. and it is a tiny little woman mm-hmm. and just belts out this huge sound. Right. You know, and that's gotta, that's gotta just wear you down. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that you have to do, one, you have to be able to really, you've got to be able to, to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go ahead um, for as good as like dance music would be, you know, somebody, especially back in the day, somebody like a, a Britney Spears with her type of music yeah, is just not, you know, I mean, I've heard stuff and you can find it on YouTube of her, like um, the, the direct audio feed from her mic. Pretty bad. It's not good, you know? But um, I just, I literally just the other day came across a, a direct audio feed. It's on YouTube of uh, Eddie Vedder mm-hmm. singing at uh, the unplugged edition from MTV unplugged. And it's just isolated, just mm-hmm. him singing. That's impressive. Yeah. No, he's, he's one of the real ones. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he didn't die back in the heyday when he was jumping off boom cameras and <sighs> I had a into couple, the crowd. I never saw them. I had a, I had a couple friends see them uh, at the Lollapalooza tour that they went on. I can't remember what year it was. It would have been like 92 or 94. And uh, they were talking about how he, uh, there was a chain hanging down from uh, the, the superstructure and he, climbed the yeah. chain and got like all the way up at the top and was up in the scaffolding. Yeah. I was like, yeah, oh, I, the, I just don't know how to manage their management. Even they can't even watch. Yeah. You know, they'll never get insured again. <laughs> um, yeah. I saw, I saw Pearl jam when uh, yield came out and that was when um, that was a night that Bill Clinton went on national TV to apologize to the country for <laughs> the the whole Monica Lewinsky thing and they played it live they, oh. they stopped it there and and um they dedicated a better man to Chelsea Clinton <laughs> uh with that but it, it it was odd i was used to seeing a lot you know i at that time i'd go see the i'd seen the stones probably three or four times mm-hmm. and you know at those days it was 3 hours mm-hmm. their show set and you know to me that's what a show should be. I mean, you hear all these things. I've I've never seen him, but you always hear these 
these legendary stories of somebody like Bruce Springsteen playing five hour sets even today. And I have to remember that at the time, I mean, Yield was what, the third album? So even if they'd have played every song off of all three albums, it would have been an hour and 40 some minutes, uh-huh. which is, it's about an hour and a half. <laughs> you know, and you're like, God damn, I feel cheated. I remember you, uh, uh, you had, you had gotten two tickets for yeah. that and you had invited me and I, yep. I couldn't go cause yep. I had to go out to Colorado and you were furious. Yep. And yep. then I was furious <laughs> because I didn't get to see And him. the whole world was furious. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was for uh, a long time there, you know, that was, you know, all I wanted to do was just travel around and go to different concerts. You know, I just went everywhere that was within driving distance, you know, Ohio and Michigan and Illinois and mm-hmm. just everywhere we could go. We still didn't get as much as like, I was teasing a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, Cynthia, cause she, when we were sophomores in high school, she moved out to Las Vegas mm. And I bet get, she's seen a lot. Yeah. She's seen all sorts of stuff and I'm furiously jealous. Yeah. And you know, out there was probably no big thing, but you know, for a Pearl jam to show up in Indiana is a big deal. Sure. Yeah. Out in the middle of the corn belt. That's one of the last shows I saw was, um, <laughs> Paul McCartney in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> when he was at the Coliseum here a year or two ago. Yeah. Amazing. Um, that's, I think I've, talked about it here too that was that's one of the shows where i was at uh, i've seen him twice where i was absolutely starstruck just by the fact of uh, i see this guy and whether you're a beatles fan or not you can't go ahead and deny the influence that this guy has had oh yeah on on just entertainment itself i mean it's even bigger than just music but i don't think he gets enough credit either i think too many people pile too much on john lennon and leave Paul McCartney yeah. out of it. Yeah, I think uh, McCartney was uh, the su- superior musician, yeah, and uh, and, and, and the a real... superior person. Yeah, you and I have gotten, you know, we've had that discussion. A lot of people on Facebook don't like our stance. No, I, you know, I, I am one of those people that has trouble separating art from the artist. Yeah, and like like we were talking about with Dave Matthews, you know, this Boyd Tinsley has kind of poisoned them a little bit now. Because, right. you know, his, his music is fantastic, but it's hard to listen to mm-hmm. knowing that he's done the things that he's done. Yeah. And that's a, that's a shame. Um, All right, maybe that's a, you know, that's probably a failing of mine. But no, know? I, I mean, it, it's, it, it's always there. Yeah. You know, I mean, when, you know, when you hear that, but you know, one of the things, you know, w- when you have someone like a John Lennon who is love and, and peace and, and this type of stuff. And he's and, not actually any of those things. Right. You know, I mean, you know, to his, his kid mm-hmm. and uh, not Sean, by all accounts, that was his obvious favorite and, mm-hmm. and he treated him well, but, but the one he abandoned. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, 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 and Yoko and just about everybody else that he dealt with and anybody who's had contact with him and, you know, in any kind of actual circumstances mm-hmm. will tell you that he was not a decent guy. Yeah. And just by his own words, I mean, he, you know, he talked about in that interview about how he said, and this, this really got me. He said, not only will I beat my woman, I'll beat any woman. Yeah. And I was like, right off the bat, I don't care. I don't care that you wrote, imagine he needs to be shot. Yeah. And so I didn't care when, you know, Hinckley took that, took that dive for us. Oh, um, 
Sorry, I know you like to keep it family friendly here, no. but I'm just not, you know, that's, there's a couple things that, you know, you can get away with, you know, you embezzled or something like that. You know, there's even, even there's forms of theft. There's even some types of, of murder that are more acceptable than beating women. Yeah. Cause there are some people that need to be killed. Yeah. The it's, and that's the thing. I think when you set yourself up, you know, and make that your, your kind of uh, oh, yeah. pedestal. It, it it tarnishes quicker, you know, when you're not genuine, you know, something like that with the internet that never played today because you'd be found out immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think in reading people, I, people now, they don't want to hear it. I mean, you even say anything like that in his, you know, people as we learned fans, on Facebook. Yeah. They'll get angry yeah. about you taking something. And even if it's true, it still was a long time ago. And it's like, nope, that doesn't swing. Sorry. Yeah. I think at some point uh, I read an article. I think he, he had regret. But I, you know, it wasn't enough regret to where, you know, you just shouldn't do it. I, I thought it was more along the lines of he had regret and that was what was expected of him. So that's what he had. Yeah. I mean, Could you know, I, I look at, I look at, you see videos of him, you know, on like uh, the Dick Cavett show and things like, it's like acting like a child. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you didn't look at this guy and think this was a great beetle and you just didn't know who he was, you'd think he was a, he was an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, he was obnoxious. No, he was of all of me. Ringo's kind of that way too. I'm not Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. If he, these days <laughs> he, he really is. He really is. He had to, you know, he could have been, he could have been replaced by a teenager in a high school band. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you, uh, YouTube the, um, uh, five or six years ago, he, um, retired from like, you know, he would sign things that people sent in, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he was making an announcement that he wasn't doing that anymore. So everything would be just either returned or just thrown out if you sent it to him, which dude's probably signed, you know, 500,000 I mean, you know, things, yeah. but, but he just comes off as the get off my lawn guy <laughs> in, in this video, you know, and it's just kind of like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. But, you know, at the same time, you could have come off and said, Hey, I appreciate everyone that's sending this stuff. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to be doing it anymore. And, you know, I, I thank you for your support, but he's like getting angry at people for doing it, but he ends it with love and peace, you know, (laughs) love and peace. I I will be throwing your stuff away. Love and peace. Oh yeah. You know, so, um, it's kind of funny though, that, uh, to see that, you know, George Martin did that for me. With my book, right? I, I had uh, I had lost my job. The you basically the stalked the guy. No, no, no. Well, no. I mean, you didn't show up at his house, <laughs> but you found out where he lived. I did. Okay. Well, this was this was before this was before the show came. You out. were ahead of the so, curve. Yeah, I was ahead of the curve. He he hadn't gotten big famous yet. I mean, he was famous in the writing community mm-hmm. and in the sci-fi community, but it was he wasn't like mobbed. He could still go to conventions and sit and talk with people and stuff like that, and there wouldn't be like a mile long line to get a signature from him. So he was coming to the Chicago. Uh, comic comic con mm-hmm. and uh I, I was planning on going i was looking forward to it i was going to get uh my copy of storm of swords signed because that's my favorite out of the out of the five that he's put out so far and uh a couple months before that the company i was working for just went under and just you know no no uh no hey this might happen no seeing it coming nothing we just came in in june and they're like hey we're closed we're locking the door sorry Good luck. So the money that I had, I was like, I can't afford to go take a road trip up to Chicago and get a hotel or whatever. Even I can't even afford just the gas. Cause I got to, you know, this has got to be for bills. 
so yeah, I, uh, I, I looked him up and I found his home out in New Mexico and I sent him my, my book and a box and a, you know, prepaid box. And I said, Hey, you know, this is my situation. If I'm overstepping here, I understand. I know you don't, people want people walking up and knocking on your door. You know, if, if, you know, that's the case, you can just, that's why I sent the mailman. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you just, you know, if you just want to throw the book in a box and send it back to me, that's fine. But if you would, I would really like it. You know, if you would sign this to me and my son and he did and sent it back. I was like, that is so cool. Yep. I've never cracked open that book. I don't want to damage the spine or anything. I've got, a, I've got a second book that I read. Man, oh man, yeah. That no, I understand. I'm a big collector of things myself. And the other day, I um, came home and up in my office, walked in, and uh, my oldest daughter had cleaned the office, and it looked fantastic. And right after me sitting there, going, "Man, this looks great," I started thinking, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and I started looking at where I had stuff set uh-huh. that I hadn't got to, like having framed or whatnot. And like everything was there, but it just had this momentary, like, how dare you come in here and clean, you know, but <laughs> where's my stuff? <laughs> you touched my yeah. stuff. Exactly. So no, I get that, you know, not wanting to go ahead and, and damage anything not want anything to be breathed on yeah, <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a Harry Potter book that's, uh, uh, that I ordered online, you know, before, you know, before the release and everything. And it, you know, they, they did a pretty good job of actually delivering it on the day that it was released. Mm. It was pretty impressive, but I've never taken it out of the box. Really? Which one? It's the last one. Okay. Cause I didn't, I didn't start getting into it until the fifth book, uh, order of the Phoenix. I think that's the one. Yeah. And Josh, Josh had been a big fan. I've been telling me about it and I hadn't gotten around to it. And my stepson Tyler had been a fan and had the, had all the books, but I hadn't just hadn't gotten into them. Yeah. That, uh, you know, Moving on into books, the the thing I find interesting. So, whereas you and 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 Josh and and whatnot can go through these, especially something like a Harry Potter book in in a day or two. Um, I audiobook the things. I I just I I just can't sit down and read a book. Not because I'm busier than anybody. It's just not something that I'm good at. You know, it would take me a week to read a Harry Potter book. Yeah. I, well, I, if I, I, and this was, this was difficult for me because, you know, I got my, my degree in history. (laughs) So I, you know, read a lot of history books, but if it, if it doesn't engage me, Mm -hmm. I lose interest real fast and I'll do so I'll, I'll do something like buy a book and, you know, it'll be a biography about somebody or something. And if it doesn't grab me in the first 10 pages without even really thinking about it, I put it down and go pick up you know, of one of my favorite books and start reading it <laughs> for redemption. Yeah. It's, Re- I don't even think that redeem my it. hobby. <laughs> and I've Do got, your job. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been told that, you know, you need to buy no more books until all these are read and you've weeded through them so you can get rid of the ones you don't like. Cause I've got like, I don't know how many, and this was even before the advent of Kindle, which, you know, and then on top of that, I've got a bunch of stuff on Kindle that I haven't read yet. They're going to have to crawl over things to find your corpse. <laughs> you know, I, I'm better at it than my dad is. My dad, my dad will, uh, he'll buy these books and, you know, he'll, he'll never throw out anything, mm-hmm. you know? And he'll so have, why don't you drop in his ear? Hey, well, this book I bet is pretty good. And then you can go get it. There's been a couple of times I have. <laughs> what do you think of this, this writer, dad? Yeah, you should probably check him out. Go, uh, go pick that up. <laughs> 
there's been a bunch of them that I just couldn't comprehend. I've, I have tried to wade through, uh, Stephen Hawking probably two dozen times. And what is it about that? Just to, I, to... I, you know, I literally get to the point and it makes me feel stupid while I'm reading it because I literally get to a certain point in the book and it's always the same point where I read what he said and then I have to go back and reread it again. And then I keep reading and then I have to go back a page and try and catch up with what he's saying because I am just not grasping it. And he's, it, I mean, that book, uh, Brief History of Time, it's not even a technical book. You know, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, anything that a mathematician would look at and, you know, or, or a scientific paper or anything, but it just is it, that dude was just on another plane, you know, from everybody. Mm-hmm. And just even his junior writing that's supposed to be aimed at me, I can't comprehend it. And I just feel like a moron. While I'm <laughs> yeah. That's, you, you know, you mentioned it, but with, with books, I think that's one of the, the, fascinating things with with different authors right you can go ahead someone like you can be engaged with george rr R. martin's writing style and 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 from what i know stephen king mm. which are completely different writing styles and yeah. and, and detail and then you've got somebody like uh tolkien mm. um and his writing style which is completely different yeah and then you have uh, J.K. Rowling, which again, completely different, a little bit easier uh, to go ahead and read, but still a lot of detail. Yeah, and and then the backgrounds of these these people were, I think, J.K. Rowling was basically broke. Yeah, when she was when she started writing. Yeah, uh, she she was like you know uh, I believe she said she was on uh, on government assistance. Right, she yeah. was like single mom. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, somehow dreamt up this world. Yeah. And everybody telling her that she's, you know, wasting her time for it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And here she's clearing like $9 billion yeah. off of it. It's like, yep. good on you for listening to yourself. Right. And then, uh, was it you telling me that, um, that, um, George R. R. Martin and Stephen King, there was like a discussion. Yeah. And they were talking about writing. Yeah. They were up on, they were at some college and they were up on a stage, uh, just, uh, having a discussion and uh, George R. R. Martin was just in awe of the way that Stephen King will just bust out 15 pages like it's nothing. Because, you know, the way Martin writes, he he, he gets, gets down and starts writing and he writes a page and then he goes back and, you know, redacts this and changes that. And just, you know, it's a constant work in process. And it's, it's always been like that for him. Whereas Stephen King will sit down with a pencil and just be like... And he was like, don't you ever get writer's block? And Stephen King was like, no. <laughs> it's like, if I get writer's block, I just write about something else. <laughs> Let me ask you this. And it's on topic, but a little bit out there. Mm. Has Stephen King ever killed anyone? <laughs> you know what? Um, the first book I read from him was It. And I was, I think I was 12 years old. <laughs> pro- probably accounts for a lot hey, of my dad problems. have you ever heard of this writer <laughs> oh yeah yeah actually my you know when my dad found out that i had read it he was furious <laughs> i can't imagine what yeah and you know, I, don't, old. I don't know if anybody else out there has has read it but the, and not just seen the movie yeah i mean the movies are you know the 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 last two that just came out were were, were pretty decent but it is uh it is a different world inside stephen king's mind and there's stuff in that book that wouldn't that would garner 
worse than an R rating. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who have a lot of negative stuff to say about the scene that he's talking about, which I don't know. Do you want to? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, it's a it's a a scene where they're they're lost under dairy after it has been vanquished the first time, and and uh, they're trying to find their way back. And they're all kids. They're all like 12 years old, and one of them is a girl, and. Uh, to try and bring the group back together because they've kind of fractured and splintered. They, they all have sex with her, like not at the same time, but one after the other as an adult reading that and not, you know, you know, that's just, it's like, ah, yeah. But at the time when I was 12 years old, it was like, Oh, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, it was just, but something the movies did not want to even touch. They didn't didn't want to get into that. No, but you can't blame them. Well, they don't get in, you know, always in Stephen King's books, uh, child abuse and child molestation have huge storylines in all his books. I don't think I've read a single book in his that that wasn't. And it doesn't, it doesn't usually translate to the movies. No, I mean, people, it, that's, that's way too real for people. They can, they can handle a, they can handle a monster. They don't want to hear about, you know, that the real monsters. Yeah. 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 They, they I can, mean, they touched on it, on it with uh, Bev and her dad. Yeah. And that was, that was, you know, one of the nastier parts, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just uh, child abuse. I, I don't know what happened to him in his, in his childhood. I mean, he's, he's talked before about how, you know, his, his, he was, he had an absent father, and he bounced around a lot, but he hasn't talked about being abused or anything like that. But there, you know, it is such a prevalent theme in all his books that abuse and particular abuse of a woman or a child. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, you know, and of course, you know, you got to make things palatable to, uh, to moviegoers. So they don't want to walk out of the movie with an kind yeah. of feeling, which, you know, that, that is, Know, that that kind of thing is something that is not not an entertainment value. I mean, uh, you know, the movies that touch on on rape and things like that, like uh, was the one with Jodie Foster, The Accused, the accused. and uh, these are you know they're m- good movies, they're well done, and but it was really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, just watching any movie that has abuse of somebody is usually uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, straight out abuse. It's, it's odd the way that, like you said, you know, you can, um, you can go into like, uh, I think it was, um, I want the fifth Rambo movie (laughs) in in Cambodia. Okay. And and you know exactly what you're going in there to see. Yeah. And so, (laughs) you know, seeing people get hit with a 50 cal from three feet away, you know, which, you know, which I think probably I've, I've never experienced it, but I'm, I'm guessing that's (laughs) probably exactly what would happen. liquefaction, Mm -hmm. I think is the word, um, you know, you go into that movie and, and it, it, for whatever reason, that is so much easier for most people to watch than would be a lot of the things in some of these, these really dark areas of Stephen King stories. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, you know, there's, there's not much that actually touches you on that. Right. You know, you're I mean, removed from it. Yeah, you're not going to go out to the, to the jungle and fight a war. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that's a great point because but your neighbor might be that right. guy and you could separate yourself from that, but that's, and I think that's why, even though not, while not as graphic, um, Certainly graphic, but not as graphic as what, you know, the, the Rambo Hollywood thing is. Um, a tough watch is a saving private Ryan. Yeah. Because 
it's real. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, this kind of stuff happened. The and they didn't try and real. varnish it. No. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no, you know, I'm, you know, you, you talk about war movies and all, all, a lot of time there's some, you know, the green berets. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of that, but I was thinking it, you know, the, the, that one scene in uh, young guns where he's talking about, you know, I'm sure when the bullets start flying, you hear trumpets blasting in the background, I my pants, yep. you know, and I think, you know, that's, they weren't, they weren't playing any raw, raw music. And, no. you know, there wasn't anything like that. You knew right just, from the get go. Yeah. Right from the get go. When those guys are throwing up, you know, as they're heading up there and it wasn't all because of motion sickness. It's because, you know, just brutal. Yeah. I, the, um, that movie's got a couple of really brutal scenes in it. Just, you know, the one rough. that sticks with me, I know one that sticks with you, the but medic. You, uh, the, um, oh. I know the one that really sticks with you, but the yeah. one that, that really sticks with me that I can see even right now is the, the guy walking around with his arm in his hand, you know, and kind of looking or he's looking, he's walking around without an arm and, and he, he looks down it. and he picks it up and then goes and just starts walking around like, Hey, can somebody help me put this back on? Yeah. That is just, Com- just in shock. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the, one of the best writers for, uh, well, he's done a lot of stuff, but he's the guy who wrote band of brothers, Stephen Ambrose. And uh, a lot of writers, they will go through the after action reports and they'll go through this and that. And, you know, they'll, they'll build the story out of this. This, this guy did his best to go back and, you know, he went through the after action reports and things like that too, and went through the official versions, but he made it a point to, you know, in that, in his book on D-Day, go out and talk to the guys that were on the ground, have them walk him through it. The ones that could or would. And it was just, you know, some of the stuff in there is just, you know, things that you will never see. Never want to see. No. And, you know, you never see. And most of these guys won't talk about it. You know, they will. They will if, you know, you're being serious about it. But if you just want to sit around and tell war stories, they don't want to have anything to do mm-hmm. with any of that. Yeah. And uh, Band of Brothers was great. That's a, that's a pretty short book. It was better than D-Day. D-Day was okay. But uh, Band of Brothers was great because it just focused on just that group the whole way through. And, uh, he, he's a great writer, but yeah, that you don't, you don't see that in movies, which I, I don't, you know, most, most of us, I would think go to the movies just to be entertained, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's just a different breed of movie there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think, um, I think we we touched on it a little bit, um, at the beginning of the conversation, uh, what HBO was doing and, you know, Warner brothers rolling the dice with, with releasing everything, uh, onto HBO max. Um, and this is a bigger discussion than what we have time for left, but, uh, I went ahead and I picked up HBO max to watch wonder woman 84. And I had thought, you know, the Christopher Nolan movies, notwithstanding the, the Batman movies that he did that, on the whole of the, the, the newer version of the DC universe that, uh, what they had done with wonder woman was the best of, of any of the, uh, the characters, Batman and, and Superman and, and what that, I personally, I thought, I thought wonder woman was the best movie. I haven't seen it there. yet. The, the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen that one, but I haven't, I haven't seen uh, 84, but that, you know, when, it is pretty terrible. 
you, you from you know being the 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 best movie out of the DC bunch. That's that's not a high hurdle to clear. No, no, it's not. I thought I thought though the way it was done, I, I thought it would probably it, it could hang in the top top fifth twelve Marvel movies. The first Wonder Woman, I would put it there. Okay. Um, the the ending was a little weak, but I mean the the, the scenes and and her story. Wonder Woman eighty four. I know you, and it will just make you mad. <laughs> You'll just be mad, not 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 hurt, not angry. You'll just be mad. Probably just mad because I wasted yes. a couple hours. I e- can understand that exactly. I, I'm not I'm not invested in that character at all. I mean, you know, we're I I was very much the comic book nerd growing up mm-hmm. in middle school and uh, even in high school some until I I learned there were girls. And, uh, yeah, dude, I, I had a bunch of characters that I was heavily invested in Mm -hmm. and the only DC character that I was interested in was Batman. Mm -hmm. I thought all the rest of them were very generic, like Superman were just overpowered generic. Yeah. There's something somebody wrote on on that, uh, the Superman problem. Yeah. I is just, you I, I don't even see how that comic book can keep going. I mean, it's Superman. He can do anything. It's like, you know. Just not interesting. He is Vigo. He is Vigo. You are like the buzzing of flies to him. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, it's and and we'll we'll talk about this. I'm sure on a, on a future show. But the the mess. Yeah, we'll just use this as a lead in into a, a, another another show that I'll uh, that we'll talk about if you're willing to jump back in. Mm-hmm. Um, the mess that is the DC universe. And what what has DC done so wrong when Marvel laid the roadmap out on how to do it? I, I think it, we'd, we had talked about it before, and I think you had called it pretty easily. They tried to just, you know, jump to the end. You know, yeah. whereas Marvel, Marvel started out with one character, one movie, and then, you know, another character, one movie, and another character, one movie, and just built this conglomeration. Yep. Then at the same time, bringing up A Avengers. little connection to each of the movies. Yeah. Whereas, you know, DC just kind of tried to pour it all in a pot and dump it out, and it just came out just this DC vomit. Right. Now, you know, like him or not, you know, you hear superhero, the, the word superhero, and the one that most people are going to bring up is probably going to be Superman. Yeah. I mean, it's even in, in his name. Yeah. Um, even if you don't know anything about comic books, you know who Superman is. Yeah. And Batman. Yeah. Okay. And to I, a lesser degree, Wonder Woman. I uh, see. I didn't, I didn't know much about Batman until, uh, the dark Knight series came out. Mm. The, the comics, Frank Miller. the dark Knight returns, um, which anybody who reads comic books knows all, all about this is kind of something that reinvigorated comics in the, in the yeah. late eighties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, up until then, you know, you know I, Burt Ward been, and yeah, the a- Burt Adam Ward West. and the Wham Pow. And, yeah, exactly. You know, the, all that campiness of the '60s TV show. Yeah, Eartha Kit with her Catwoman. Right. Is, yeah. Right. So again, you have DC with these what should be built-in winners of, of characters, mm-hmm. and then you go to Marvel, who arguably their their biggest property is Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's the one everybody knows. And they don't even have the rights to do anything with him. Sony does. So they have to launch in with, I mean, let's face it, borderline B character, Iron Man. Before, when, when 
when the whole universe started, Iron Man wasn't no wasn't the some. I mean, if you're a comic book, you know who Iron Man is. Yeah, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, I and I didn't even think that uh, that that group was. You know the the top tier group. Oh, it's the X Men. Yeah, it was the X Men, and then yeah. the Avengers were like the the uh, the, the old guys. Yeah, you know, uh, they uh, had Hawkeye running around in his purple getup and stuff like that. Which just... you bring that up, and I the other night I've got Disney Plus. So I was rewatching some stuff, and I rewatched uh, Age of Ultron, and there's a scene in there where Hawkeye uh, tells. Um, Quicksilver, or was it no Scarlet Witch? I think he's talking to her. He goes, he goes, we're something to the effect of we're facing, we're we're battling super robots, and I'm a guy with a bow and arrow. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fantastic because it's what everybody's thinking. How is this guy even on the team? But. I, I encourage you to rewatch that scene because it's fan. He sells it so great too. <laughs> Jeremy Renner's great. Oh, man. he is great. It, it was. I'm fan- sure. You, I'm sure you saw uh, the Hurt Locker. Yeah, oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, no, I, I like him as an actor. Yes, I've seen him in a lot of things. That uh, yeah, that character. There just there was a couple characters in that group that were just terrible, like Thor. I, and you know, I, I don't know if you ever read the comic mm-hmm. books, but back in the '80s, I mean, they they played Thor like he was some kind of uh, medieval. Right. Guy, you know, he was yeah. like, I say the name, yep. Valmers Creantin. Yep. You know, it's just awful. Man. Yep. And and that's what uh, uh, Taika Waititi yeah. did so great in Thor Ragnarok. Taika Waititi is badass. Oh, dude. my he God. He is fantastic. I showed you, did I show you the tweet that he put out? He's going to be directing a Star Wars film. Mm. It, it, they haven't released what it is, but he's going to be writing and directing a Star Wars movie. It's not going to be part of a, tr- a trilogy, but it's going to be a, a separate film. Cool. And uh, his, he's one of those directors. I'll go see whatever he's doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he directed a couple episodes of the Mandalorian and he was, uh, IG 11 did the voice. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, look that. So big Star Wars fan, which is, which is great. The Mandalorian, obviously, as I mentioned in the show before, um, is just kind of of uh, had the unenviable task of erasing a lot of bad taste out of out of the Star Wars um, fandom uh, out of that their mouth uh-huh. because you know there's been such a split on the sequels and and whatnot and a lot of hate. I. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, you know I, that was like uh, you know I, I remember when we. Because you and I camped out for tickets to the on the prequels on the prequels. Yep, for the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't think we camped out for the second one, did we? No, I don't. I, I we didn't need to. I was able to get a hold of the tickets. That's right. Uh, we we were still there for opening night. Oh yeah, but that was a real disappointment. It it was tough, and you know, for for somebody who had you know who wasn't in our age group, you know, I mean, if you if you hadn't grown up. And, you know, been a kid in the late seventies watching star Wars. I'm, I'm sure it, you know, they don't understand the kind of vitriol we have towards it. No, I mean, especially because if you look back at the old movies from a kid's point of view today, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're, they're, you know, really badly dated, but I mean, he just, yeah, Lucas just did so much. <laughs> it's like he went out of his way. 
to just do really terrible, awful things. I, you know, not just not just Jar Jar Binks, but uh, just some of the storyline. Right, and then and then you know after then you have the sequel trilogy, which you know a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot. There's almost as much hate for that as there is the the prequel trilogy, and I think uh, time will tell. But you know, luckily we grew up when we did, and so our Star Wars is inviolate, right? And and you're you know, not you, touching it, right? And then you have <laughs> kids that grew up with the prequels, and that's their Star Wars. Yeah. And you know, in ten years, are we going to have the kids that grew up on these, and that's going to be their Star Wars? You know, I just it was just just released a couple days ago that HBO is going to be doing a multi-episode remake of the Harry Potter series. I Now, is it is it going to be the, the books or is it going to be, you know, something going on? They haven't said, but from the way they described it, it seemed like it was Harry Potter. It wasn't the Harry Potter universe. It wasn't, you know, this thing. Or you like, know, if they do do that, they should. It Each season should be one of the books. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, and what else they should do is they should bring on, bring in all the people who are acting in the, in the movies just to play different roles. That but would be, I, I posted it on Facebook and I was like, you know, like, really they're going to do this. And one of my, one of my friends uh, replied, she was like, no, <laughs> yeah, I think I saw she, that. Yeah. She was like, Nope, not touching it. Do not. <laughs> and I'm sure it. that I'm sure that even if they, you know, go ahead and make it, she'll be like, nah, I'm not going to watch that. I th- going back to the uh, Taika Waititi's uh, tweet, they announced that he was going to be directing a, a Star Wars film, and he tweets out he's uh, with the Star Wars logo and his picture next to it. Says, "What? Ugh! As a longtime fan of Star Wars, I'm so angry about what I'm a- about what I'm about to do to ruin it." <laughs> <laughs> he is fantastic, man. Have you have you watched that movie that he did, the What We Do in the Shadows? No. Oh. No, but I've got that on my list along with, um, um, oh, it's, it's not like gut busting, laughing, funny uh-huh. or anything, but it is just really it just, it's a heavy, heavy chuckler, you know, it is just really, it's smart and funny and, uh, it's, you, it's great. Have you seen Jojo rabbit? No, that's, that's, on the, my that's list. the one that, that I was uh, <laughs> looking for that I've got to go ahead and, and get in there. Yeah. I like Taika Waititi a lot. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. Hot property right now. I think they started shooting uh, Thor love and thunder or, or will be here in the next week or two. So did, so did he get the job that uh, the guys from game of throne got kicked off of? Is that what happened? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to, because I mean, that's, that's gotta be frustrating. I mean, you know what, what's their names? Benny off. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Oh, well, they, you know, they basically get the, okay and they're they're going to get the job directing a star wars movie and then the last then, season of game of thrones so happens. game of thrones they just you know want to kick it out yep. they have you know and HBO we'll give you offers, more episodes yeah they offer you know we'll give you some more episodes but no we'll no we're good it. we're good and just you know blast through it and not even trying to make the attempt to look like they're trying it was so tonally different than the rest of the series you could tell they just literally just wanted to dust it off and just get out how, how can how can they traverse the six hundred miles? <laughs> they just do. <laughs> That's what it felt like. They just do. Oh my 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 favorite part was the uh, the whole, you know, the White Walker story. Oh, that just is, ended real is, quick. This has just been building for the whole for, series. Yeah, for eight years, and you know it's supposed to be this. Uh, you know, I mean, you're basically talking about a world-ending event, and uh, now nah, the chick stabbed him. 
Yeah, the little girl stabbed him. It's yep. fine. No big battle. Yeah, we just go home now. Yep. It's just, dude. It, I mean, it was just so obvious that they that was did that not was care. running up. That was up. Uh, uh, one upping the red wedding there. Oh, it was John that was going to do it, and it was going to be a big battle. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. <laughs> nope. You know, I, I I remember seeing the video of them going through and reading the script. You know, the round table. Yeah, and, and the they, guy who played Varus just took the script and just tossed it like Jesus Christ. You know, just yeah. It was it, it was. And then there was the whole thing of the Coke can being left on the table. Uh, Starbucks cup. Starbucks yep. cup. Yeah. Yep. Just like, yeah, whatever. And then to, you know, to just go ahead and trash all that so you can hurry up and go to your Star Wars movie. That you don't even you get, get to make. fired for it. Yep. Well, <laughs> take that. But, yeah, yeah they, I think, uh, I think that'd be a good, uh, uh, a good topic to cover is just, you know, what, what Marvel's done right mm-hmm. versus what DC has not done right. Or mm-hmm. it could just be a total discussion on the Marvel universe itself because it's something that's never been done before. You know, yeah. I basically, I think I could basically say I'm still a comic book nerd because I've still got all my comics oh, I do too. over at, over at my mom's house in a closet in the little hermetically sealed plastic bags oh, with yeah. the cardboard backing Broadway uh, yeah, comics, Broadway comics. Yeah. Yep. yep. That, I remember that. That dude was, uh, I don't know how long he ran that establishment until it burned down. Yeah. He was there forever. And uh, did you, you didn't live around there. I didn't live there, but I was up there a lot. So I, I live, my parents, you know, my parents live about uh, two miles down the road from him, from there. And I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Um, half a block away from there is what's now a restaurant. It used to be Cotta Blue. And before that it was the Cinema Blue. Oh Yeah. And uh, this this is a, a an adult entertainment theater was yeah. what it was when we were kids, and I remember having to walk by there, and there was always some shady people oh, hanging yeah. around there, and those people would show up because our bus stop was about two hundred yards down from it. Of course, it was, and those people would show up there waiting for the place to open oh. at seven a.m. and there'd be like six or eight of them milling around outside waiting for the place to open. And they're just sitting there watching us, and we're like, Argh. "Yeah, I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll discuss those movies on the podcast." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The, the 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 titles, as amusing as they may be, <laughs> it was it was a shame because you had you know you had a pretty good set there. You had the Burger Dairy. And then you had the comic book shop and then you went a little bit further and you had Zesto. Yep. And, uh, which you still have. Yeah. Zesto, you know, Zesto for those of you who don't know, uh, ice cream shop, the uh, best only open in the, uh, the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to that reopening. Yeah. I didn't get any last summer at all. Oh, I did. Ugh. Yep. Make a, make a point to go out there. And they closed early during the yep. summer too. So yep. I didn't even get a chance to get down there. Yeah. Looking forward to a lot of this stuff returning back uh, somewhat normal. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking earlier about how, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, even for somebody like me who doesn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm kind of an introvert and I don't, I don't like to go out around crowds of people. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't enjoy it. Even for somebody like me, I'm itching to get out and go do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty rare. Yeah, I'm itching to go out and not have to go back to my car because I forgot my mask. Yep. So I'm 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 looking forward to those days. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I just uh, did get word on is that uh, my 
my job where I work is going to mandate that uh, that uh, those of us who work there do get the vaccine. It's going to be required. So that's uh, uh, which is fine with me. Like I said, I had it. And I was going to get that vaccine because I just really don't want to deal with that again if I don't have to or lessen my chances. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, uh, timetables. And I'd, I'd like to see what happens with them. You know, we were talking about with the movie theater industry is going through some. They were already having some rough times. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had been for the last 10 years before this. You know, they had you know, steadily been declining, you know, less and less people come into the movie theaters and a lot of people complain about the prices. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, the theater, I, I worked as a manager at one of them and the theater does not take a dime off the door. Anything that you pay in ticket prices. Goes, yeah, that's why you're paying $8 yeah, for popcorn. Exactly. That's why you're paying all that money for popcorn and everything else. And I, I, I can't see that they'll, you know, go the way of the dinosaur because no. I mean that, the experience of watching a movie is so much different in a theater than what it is sitting at home. A hundred percent agree. I mean, there's just, there is nothing like, you know, one of the, one of the things that will always, that I'll always remember is, uh, I was in Las Vegas by myself and not in the theater by myself, but, uh, I was there on a work trip and, uh, when Avengers Endgame came out, mm. And I found a theater uh, near near the um, off the strip where I was staying, and I took a Uber over to this theater, and it was kind of one of those ones where you serve food and whatnot. Well, I already eaten. I got a beer, and it was full, and it was at midnight, uh, first showing out there, and the moment when Captain America is able to grab Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. The place went absolutely nuts. That is fantastic. And that's something you don't get. No. You know, other than in a theater. Yeah. And we, I remember the same thing when we saw, uh, uh, Star Wars, Star Wars, yeah, the, the Phantom Menace, the Phantom Menace. And the, the fight came between Darth Maul and, uh, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And it just, and, and actually you led the charge. On yeah, oh man. Yeah, it, Woo. They, yeah, they 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 threw a couple blows at each other, and he I, stepped back, and you couldn't even contain yourself. I couldn't. Like, and the whole crowd just, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh my god, yep. I and it's not like you said. There's there's no substitute for being in a crowded theater. Which again, if I could go to a concert, mm. I, I take that back. If I could go to a concert where in a box that like hovered above everybody else, <laughs> and nobody could get close to me. <laughs> But in yet I can still where, feel the energy in the place where I belong. <laughs> then, then that's how I want to do it. But still, you you want to feel that energy. I was, yeah. uh, and I think you're right. I think that, um, uh, I I think that's what uh, studios like uh, Marvel and Disney they really are, are banking on. Yeah, is you know I mean Black Widow's been ready to release for over a year, mm-hmm. and they aren't doing the. They aren't throwing it to the Disney Plus for twenty bucks extra. You know, this is those are those are theater movies, right? Yeah. Which, um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch, uh, you know, something like you know Schindler's List or something like that, you're you're not going to. It's gonna have the same effect on you whether you're at home by yourself, yeah, or if you're in a theater because <laughs> nobody's standing up and cheering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the feel good no. movie of the year. No, but um, you would still be as pissed at Wonder Woman 84 in the theater 
as you're going to be at home and you're going to watch it at oh, some point. Yeah. Sooner or later it'll come up on TV and, and I'll be flicking through and I'll just, I'll have to watch. Cause that's, that's what happened. Do you want to hear League. anything about it? Oh, you, you, you can't ruin it for me. <laughs> no, I, I honestly can't. Yeah. You're right. I mean, cause it will, it will do it. I can tell you verbatim what happens and it will still ruin itself for you. The biggest, if you guys don't want to know uh, anything about this movie, then, um, this is your yeah, spoiler tune out. <laughs> yeah. Um, the big, uh, crux, uh, of the, the bad guy, the, um, what do they call it? The MacGuffin <laughs> is wishing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wishes. Wishes. Yeah. Sure. You make wishes and that gets out of hand. Who, who, who makes the wishes? The Mandalorian. Pascal's in that? I didn't even know that. It hurts to say. Maybe he just needed the is, money. Is he like the wish master or something like that? <laughs> kind of. Oh. It's so terrible. You know, you know what? You know, it, he's he's not a struggling actor, but he is not, you know, Robert De Niro level, so somebody like that's not gonna turn down a big part. He was he needed the money. <laughs> right. Did it did this ruin him for you? Well, not are you going to be? Not are you as long be as he keeps him? the helmet on, <laughs> dude. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad, and and I really liked the first one. I I oh yeah, I can say that without an ounce of chauvinism. It sucks. Just that bad. Oh my god. It, it it's yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. I'll I'll see it sooner or later, and so, uh, you know I'm I'm sure I'll probably be texting you all the way through it. Oh, just like because you know I've done that with a couple movies that I've you know been sitting at home and just sent it shooting off text to you guys about how awful this is. Oh, like it's Justice League. This will live down to your expectations. <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's it's oh it's painful. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing something decent because I haven't. This uh, ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I really enjoyed the Avengers end game was great mm-hmm. when they, you know, especially the, the end, it was, it was like, they it did was, it. It was a perfect. Book. It Everybody got perfect. their moment. Yeah. It was fantastic. And I, uh, you know, with, uh, what Ryan Reynolds has managed to do with Deadpool opening Which, up an R rating for us. Deadpool three has been greenlit by Marvel oh, and I'm will sure. be rated R fantastic in the Disney <clears throat> In, in that Marvel uh, universe. So well, I, Deadpool will exist in, in I, there. I, 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 you know, those movies are, are fantastic, just standalone, but it's great to know that that's going to be involved. But he, he opened the door for uh, like uh, Logan. Yeah. Which I, that was, you know, that was the movie that I had been waiting for. That was the Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. That was the Wolverine I had been waiting for, which, you know, that, that was, you know, what we grew up with in the comics. Wolverine wasn't some, you know, kind of tormented good guy. How can you be a guy with killer. razor claws <laughs> yeah. that never kills anybody? Yeah. You know, or maybe you staple somebody to a refrigerator and a mansion, <laughs> but that's, that's it. Yeah. No. And he was just, you know, in the comics, he was just opening people up left and right, mm-hmm. man. It was fantastic. And, you know, then that came out and it was like, well, it's still the X-Men. It's yeah, all right. I'll watch know. it. What are you going to do? Just like how, you know, I, you and I, we argued about this in high school. Because, you know, Batman became this huge marketing campaign mm-hmm. for the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batman. 
And everybody was, including me, was really excited to see it because this was coming hard on the heels of the Dark Knight. Dark right. Knight series had been released like eighty six, yes, yeah, I like think that, just a few, few years was earlier. A, yep. And everything was dark and black, and it was like, Wah! and then we went and saw the theater, and I was like, this is, this is like a kids' movie. I just was not happy. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, Michael Keaton will be returning as Batman in the really? Flash movie. Yep. So there you go. Nice. Got that to look forward to. Um, the who did they have for the Flash? It's uh, Ezra Miller, who was a Flash in Justice League. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, <clears throat> Zack Snyder, who like makes, besides 300, um, gets bored halfway through making his movies, <laughs> is releasing the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. So um, two-thirds of the way through filming of the Justice League um, – and a true story, I believe it was his daughter killed herself. And so he left production. Did not know that. Left production and uh, Warner Brothers brought in Joss Whedon to finish Justice League. Well, people had said that worked on it said that the, the um, you know, the studio had a lot of input and they wanted this done and that done. And so it came out and it was just... You know, it was, it was a poor man's adventures uh-huh. is what it was. And so the word had been that Snyder's vision was, was better than what was put out. So he was given the green light to do reshoots here over the last year and a half. And it'll hit HBO max in March. Maybe I think a four hour cut of the justice league. So, um, I can say from my own experience that 300 is the only Zack Snyder movie that I've seen that I've been like, well done all the way through. Uh-huh. Um, I, I get this, this feeling that he just gets bored about two thirds of the way through his movies and just kind of mails it in the last act. He makes really mails good, good looking movies. Uh huh. You know, Watchmen was, was very good looking. Um, and he stuck to the script on that too. Except for the squid. Yeah. Which you know, would have been difficult to pull right, off. Right. But, um, <clears throat> so yeah, four hours. Done? He did Dawn of the Dead, the remake in 2004. Yep. yep. Um, Man of Steel. Sucker Punch. Which again, visually impressive, but a mess. Yeah. Which, you know, great name. If you're going to make a mess of a movie. I can't complain with them when it's called sucker punch. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's not like they tried to market it as anything no. other than what it was, which I mean, had some great action scenes made absolutely zero sense and was pretty terrible, but well, the action scenes were good. Yeah. You know, he's, he's still not Michael Bay. So, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. Just with without the explosions. Yeah. I, I, I was upset when they, uh, when they started talking about filming black Hawk down because of, uh, the producer, Okay, so yeah, it was it was Jerry Bruckheimer Got it. who was uh, producing that, and he had been doing, you know, everything with uh, Michael Bay, which he's got a he's got a lot of good stuff in him, in his background too. I mean, he had uh, you know Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop from the eighties, but then later on, you know, he keep you know I mean he's doing Bad Boys and The Rock, 
and uh, and then he started doing stuff with Michael Bay. And so when I heard he was doing Black Hawk Down, which you know I, I had a particular affinity for because of the book, um, I was like, oh god, this is going to suck. There's going to be exploding camels and a bunch of. But then they got uh, Ridley Scott to direct it, and he nailed it. Yeah, yeah, and they hammered that one home. Agreed. Um, so yeah, as, as, as there are producers or as there are directors that I will go watch whatever they're doing and actors, whatever they're doing, there's also directors and producers that if they're touching it, I don't want it. <laughs> You've seen it one too many times. Yeah. Michael Bay, if he's got his fingerprints on it, it is crap. <laughs> I don't want to touch it. You've hated Wes it Anderson. If he's got his oh. fingerprints on it, it is crap. Oh and I don't goodness. care what esoteric fanboy comes at me about oh. it. It is crap. <laughs> That dude has that dude is a wannabe. Uh, I I'm not even gonna start going there. He's just crap. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> Who's the other one? Who's that moron that directed Eraserhead? David Lynch. Hack. Oh, but Dune. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> Hack. I know it's close to your heart. That dude is that dude is a wannabe Stanley Kubrick is what he is. He is not Stanley. Now is this Kubrick. a is this a uh, the Stanley Kubrick the Shining Stanley Kubrick or is this Stanley Kubrick, eyes wide shut. This is uh, this is the <laughs> <laughs> eyes wide shut wasn't a tour de force. I gotta admit, <laughs> not one to go out on. No, but he's you know yeah like The Shining and things like that. There you know there's stuff that Stanley Kubrick that yeah and then and again this is one of those things that uh, you know you start having the part where the us trying to separate the art from the artist mm-hmm. because apparently he was a real mean guy yeah you know and he was just brutal to Shelley Duvall. Yeah, basically drove her nuts. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, they they shot that bathroom scene over and over and over. Yeah, which I didn't even learn about, and you know, I didn't learn about you know who he was as a person until just a few years ago, mm-hmm. and that makes it a little bit less palatable. But yeah, is what I, it is. Yeah, I can't I can't look at some of you know the work that he's done and ignore it though. I mean, you know, the uh, doctor. Uh, Dr. Strangelove yeah. and just, you know, just about everything he's got his hand on is usually good. Right. And uh, there's, there's a bunch of directors that are like that, you know, 90% of what they do is going to be pretty great or at least interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, Scorsese. Yep. Um, David Fincher. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. And there's a bunch of actors that uh, whatever they get involved with, I'm going to want to watch cause it's going to be interesting. Right. Tom Hardy. You know, Venom was kind of terrible, but he was pretty good in it. Yeah. And just about anything else that I've seen him in, he's been good in. uh, I think, uh, I think all things considered, he, um, he should have won that best actor over DiCaprio in The Revenant. Oh, yeah. Myself, I think that DiCaprio got it for like, because he should have won. Yeah, because he should have won before this. Yeah. Um, before the Revenant, and it was kind of like one of those. Eh, he's been nominated sort of like 4, Scorsese times. Yeah. Here. Yeah. You know, but Scorsese. He got it for uh, uh, the Departed. The Departed, which is a great movie, but not, but not, not his, his best. best. No. Yep. yep. Yeah. Tom Hardy is. You know, if you haven't seen it yet, there is a, a great show that he does for the BBC. It's only done one season so far, called Taboo, that is on Hulu, and it's. Fantastic. He does a lot. I don't yeah. know where he gets, you know, he was on Peaky Blinders. <laughs> His character, Alfie yeah. Solomon's on Peaky Blinders is the funniest thing on earth. Man. You know that. And then the big movies, mm. you ever seen Bronson? 
Uh-huh. God. Um, and, it, you know, I, he, he keeps showing up in parts that I hadn't noticed mm-hmm. him in. He was in Band of Brothers. Yeah. He was in, uh, what was the other one we were just talking about? Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Uh, you know, every now and then I'll see another movie that's older and I'll be like, I know that dude. Look how skinny he is, dude. Yeah. He's like in Band of Brothers. He, you know, he looked like he weighed about a buck 35, you know, just skin and bone little Tom Hardy. Yeah. That, uh, he's one of those guys, you know, that it's a tough thing to go ahead and, and, uh, make a Mad Max movie. Yeah. You know, after, if, if you've ever seen the uh, Mel Gibson ones, but jumped right in it. Yep. Well done. So, yeah, I think uh, we'll stop it there before we get into some, uh, another discussion another that could tangent. go on. Yeah. For, <laughs> for another hour here, we'll save some for the next show, but uh, I wanted to thank you for uh, taking some time coming on here and just shooting entertainment crap. Thank you for having me. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. it. We'll see you next time on This Won't Teach You Anything.